You are listening to Bits of Signum, Creator Stories Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, for an episode of Bits of Signum. Today, we're so excited to have Joe Ferenz, uh, CEO and founder of GameFam. We've been digging into this topic of UGC, all things Roblox, UEFN, uh, Minecraft, etc., for about a year now. Uh, Eliza Yapanen, my partner, is on uh, the pod as well, and I'll have her give her background a little bit later in the in the podcast when uh, when we when we go to a question from you, Eliza. Just just give your lens; that would be great. But just suffice it to say, we spend pretty much all day, every day, and twice on Sunday thinking about UGC <laughs> these days. <laughs> so you, Joe, have built what is really the the largest by many metrics platform inside one of these UGC spaces, namely the largest, which is Roblox. Can you just give uh, our listeners a vision of, of kind of, you know, where you came from, you know, why this made sense to you and and just describe GameFam because a lot of people are unaware of, you know, even Roblox. Sure, uh, absolutely. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, I started my career a little over 20 years ago, uh, been in the pop culture space the entire time and in gaming for the last uh, 12 or 13 years. I started actually as a graphic designer on sports licensed t-shirts and posters. I went back to business school. I interned at Disney, postgraduate internship at Nintendo, three years, uh, sorry, two years at Ubisoft, three years at Mattel. And then I've been in the startup world for almost nine years now, uh, worked on a Star Wars uh, kids game for a while. I worked on Subway Surfers as a consultant for a year. And then I went back to Mattel where I was consulting on Hot Wheels video game strategy, putting Hot Wheels into Microsoft's Forza franchise, into EA's Need for Speed franchise, into Epic's Rocket League, where it has the only branded uh, arena that I believe they've ever done, or it certainly did for a long time. And it was during those years of consulting for Hot Wheels as an executive producer that I became aware of the UGC gaming space, which at the time was really just Roblox back in 2016 when I found out about it. And I was captivated and fascinated by the world of digital creativity and community that I was seeing there. And I felt it was extremely relevant to the Hot Wheels brand. And so I started to learn more about it. And as I did, I said, you know, I think this might end up being the next big thing. And I think uh, I was uh, ended up being right on that prediction. So I made my first Roblox game in 2018. And I said, I don't think making one game at a time is a very good way to build a long-term Roblox business, which is what I wanted to do where I was at in my career is I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to run a studio. I wanted to work with global brands as partners and uh, help them navigate this, this emerging space. So I started GameFam as a publishing business in 2019. We had uh, you know 25 players concurrently concurrently in our first game we ever uh, worked on. And you know as we sit here right now on a Thursday morning, we have 130,000 concurrent players across our portfolio, and we have multiple Roblox games in the top 25, top 50, top 100 games. Multiple leaders in subgenres on Roblox. In our portfolio, partnerships with Paramount, uh, the NFL, Mattel, Crunchyroll, and Sega, among many others. 
a thriving advertising business across our Roblox portfolio and a, uh, you know, a foothold and a lot of excitement for the UEFN and Fortnite space uh, as well. It's exciting. So tell us a little bit about these creators uh, in Roblox and give us a sense for, you know, the culture of Roblox, the platform itself. I think a lot of people who are new to the space or one of the biggest misconceptions that I find is that, you know, everybody from Roblox, for example, is just going to run to Epic and start developing or, or, or another platform. And I'd love for you to just give us a sense for what, you know, what is the essence of these Roblox creators? Roblox creators are an incredible group of generally very young people. I'm probably like the oldest Roblox creator in the world. I'll be happy to take <laughs> an award. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I went to my first Roblox developers conference back in 2018. It was in like a hotel lobby uh, in San Mateo. And, and I remember, I mean, I think there were only maybe 200 people at it or something. It was really small. And, you know, you know, there, there was a happy hour, alcohol free happy hour. Right. So they had like a popcorn machine. They had like tacos, (laughs) energy drinks, uh, which is fine for me. I'm not, I'm not a big drinker. I was perfectly happy with chicken fingers and energy drinks. And then I remember Dave's keynote, he said, okay, you know, raise your hand if you're in high school. Right. And there were like, whatever, two or 300 people in the room, I think raise your hand if you're in high school, right? And like all these hands go up and they're like, raise your hand if you're in college. And like less hands go up and they're like, raise your hand if you're out of college. And I'm like, me, hey, <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, uh, I'm out of college uh, by a few years and then some. And, uh, you know, I love it. I love, I, I mean, so the average Roblox developer is 16 to 24 years old still probably. And, uh, you know, they're starting to age up, right? So they're starting to be some in their late 20s and even early 30s, you know, with kids of their own and it's great. But the average one is still quite young. They are, they're an extremely uh, impressive and highly motivated group of young developers who are out to delight audiences and uh, create you know, significant income opportunities for themselves as individuals along the way. They live and breathe the platform. You know, when we first started GameFam, one of our value props was like, hey, we're from off the platform. Like we know like bigger video games that you've heard of and we've been in the mobile app store and we have best practices. And they were like, but you don't know Roblox. That was what they used to say, right? So they were just Mm. not impressed at all. And I think they were right because Roblox, while there are best practices from the free-to-play space that do work on Roblox very effectively, there are more practices from the free-to-play space that don't work on Roblox at all and are in fact quite counterproductive because this is a new platform. And, you know, to use like a very old metaphor that I just came up with, but like, you know, if you tried to bring electric guitars, you know, in the early days of uh, hip hop, they would have been like, that's not what hip hop is. It's not about electric guitars, right? And sure, there's like a one-off like Aerosmith walked this way, but generally speaking, it was about, you know, drums and bass. And and if you would come in and say, well, I'm a rock producer or a classical music producer, you would say, well, that's not hip hop. And you come to Roblox and say, well, I'm from the mobile free-to-play space and say, yeah, well, that's not Roblox. It's a new medium. It's a new media. It's a new art form. So that was a lot of learnings for us um, and a lot of uh, getting to know this incredible cohort of young developers. It's really interesting to me to think about uh, you doing deals 
and 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 signing contracts with this group of developers and and I wonder you know is that a challenge that we just don't see outside of gaming I think there are a lot of traditional game developers that I speak to that say I just don't get it I don't I I just I, I don't get Roblox and what you just alluded to in terms of the age makes a lot of sense as to why they don't get it and also just you know is there volatility in your world because you're having to navigate these um these younger this, this this younger crew that hasn't done deals in the past or how do you navigate that i think there's a tremendous amount of learning that we've had to do i think part of it was very easy for us because we are very i think pop culture very passionate about pop culture we love gaming we love youtube we love tiktok so that is a very natural fit for us to be part of a community that thrives on that constant cycle of new trends and new things to joke around about and to be part of. That part was easy. I think doing deals in the space requires credibility, which we built starting very small. You know, as I said, our first game had 25 users in it. We bought it from a 16 year old legally. Um, we had to get special legal counsel on how to make sure that that was done properly, but we, that, you know, 25 and then 25 users, but then we improved monetization and we improved retention. So we went to the next game up that may have had whatever it was, a hundred users, 200 users and say, okay, well, we did that once. And, you know, we, you know, let's do it again on a bigger game. By the time we got up to, you know, developers where we're talking about scaled amounts of revenue and users, we had that credibility as operators on the platform. Then you need to have, you know, relationship building skills. Uh, you've got to be able to get in touch. You've got to be able to get a, a, a conversation going because you don't want it to be just transactional either. You're going to get a, a deal that might not be economically viable if there is not a relationship that where both parties are trying to do right by each other in the transaction. So relationship building is is critical. And that really means knowing the platform and knowing the genres and being able to speak to how you want to manage the game and why you're the right people to acquire the, the content. And then the third part of it is deal engineering. When you're doing deals in a space where there's no norms and where there is highly inexperienced parties on the other side of the deal, you need to be very flexible and undogmatic in the approach. And you need to be very creative in terms of finding ways to meet the requirements of the other party in a way that will be economically viable for the company. So that's something that we, you know, that's again, suits us. Uh, we're very goal focused. We're not, we're goal focused and the process should serve the goals. And so that mindset allows us to have a lot of intellectual flexibility and creativity in deal-making. Super interesting. A lot of people are also, you know, comparing the early days in UGC to the early days in, in YouTube. And when I spoke to you and when Eliza and I met with you in LA, I thought you had a really great perspective on how this is different, Sim maybe some, somewhat similar and somewhat different. And then there are a lot of other platforms that are bubbling up like UEFN and, and everywhere. So I just love your, your perspective on kind of, since you have the perspective, early days of YouTube versus early days in Roblox. I think that there is a lot of similarities in that the art form and the genres are still evolving and finding their footing. If you go back to the very early days of YouTube, it was a lot of super short form clips. It was almost more like TikTok and it was like, whatever, dog on a skateboard, Charlie bit my finger, um, mm -hmm. you know, 
you know, those early, those early videos were sometimes one minute to four minutes long. Those were the ones that we were watching back when I was working at Ubisoft in, in 2010. And we'd all gather around a desk and, hey, look at this funny video. And now YouTube is so much more formal, right? And much more formulaic, right? We kind of know who are the key influencers. We know what are the key types of content that drive ongoing audiences. There's tools for community management. So I think we're seeing Roblox evolve very much in that way, where if you go back a few years ago, like there were just so many random games that would pop up and be gone in two or three weeks. And that's kind of what UEFN is like right now, actually. But on Roblox, we're now seeing games that have multi-year sustained longevity at a multi-million dollar earning rate. Not a lot of them, but quite a few, you know, more than a small number of them. And we have quite a few in our own portfolio. You know, the Sonic the Hedgehog game that we have uh, under license with Sega, our uh, game War Tycoon, our game Car Leadership Tycoon. These games have multi-year sustained huge revenue streams, I mean, huge relative to at least the UGC gaming space. So the difference in YouTube and Roblox that's so important for us as a long-term value creation-oriented startup is that we are not reliant on individual talent and that the data streams are infinitely richer and that we can monetize our audiences directly in a way that they get clear additional entertainment value from versus on YouTube, right? Where, and YouTube's great. I, I love YouTube, but on YouTube, it's a face. You're going to have a face of the business. Um, I just I just met with some friends in Tokyo who are starting a, a VTuber business to service brands. I'm like, that is a great idea, right? Because they uh, the, the, the face is a cartoon character and that gives them a lot more flexibility in terms of how they run the business. But typically it's a person. So that person is the channel. The data streams are obviously very limited, right? To thumbnails and completion rates and drop-off rates, but you can't, you know, you can't live operate a video. You can't optimize an individual video in real time like you can a live services game. And then three, the monetization options for YouTubers are are great, but they're they're pretty they're they're pretty scoped in that you can sell merch, you can start a Patreon, and you can do ad revenue and integrations, right? Where on Roblox, we can sell anything we can think of that will make the game better. We can offer that as a value proposition and directly monetize users. And we can lift revenue per user ongoing as we have across almost every title we've ever touched. We've seen 100, 200, 300, 500% lifts sustained in revenue per user after we take over those titles. And and how do you, how do you think about, um, you know, these other platforms Will we see the Roblox developers moving to UEFN or will we see uh, a different demo of developers, you know, getting started on UEFN? And how do you think about GameFam's opportunities really in outside of Roblox? So the first thing is, you know, kind of our opportunities outside of Roblox that I want to speak about, which is Roblox remains our, our focus, right? And, you know, we have a really passionate, we have a really passionate group of developers here and they want to spread their wings. They want to try other things out of, out of creativity. We have a longstanding relationship with Epic as well. And we've done work for Epic as a vendor and a partner. And we, you know, we pride ourselves on our production skills and our, the production values that we bring to the space. So it's not, you know, it's, I think it's a credit to that 
mindset that we do work directly with Roblox and we do work directly with Epic. But um, our our goal is to be where players are. And right now that's on Roblox, you know, in a much more meaningful way. I think, you know, there's other platforms coming up. We've done a project with Dot Big Bang. We thought that that was an incredible platform, voxel-based metaverse that runs in HTML5. It's so cool. We are uh, working with other other platforms that that are looking to create their own take on the space, like, you know, Build a Rocket Boy and Everywhere, who is an incredible organization with some of the most player-focused mindsets that I think we've seen in the space. So there's a lot going on and we enjoy being part of all of it, but our focus is is certainly on Roblox where that's where the business is today. And I, I mean, expect just... that's where the going to be for the next few years as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We just they just reported earnings, 70 I think it was 71 and a half million DAUs. The latest time spent numbers are multiples TikTok. That is that is a data point that that we speak about a lot. Uh, we've been calling yeah. Roblox the new mall because it's different than traditional gaming and it's hard I think sometimes for people in the traditional gaming space to get their head around it because it's different, but we'd just love to hear why you think this is happening? What? How, how would you explain this time spent? I would also love to know what makes Roblox to you the winner in the business format uh, compared to the other platforms. Sure. Well, uh, let me address those one by one and see if I can remember both of them while I do it. Uh, so the first was uh, time spent. Well, I think that what a lot of people who didn't necessarily grow up during what has really become a golden age of video games that just keeps getting more golden, so to speak, is that games are a much more stimulating and engaging form of entertainment than than passive media. And I think everyone, yes, we like to be, and, and passive media is great. I love watching shows, right? But but I think everyone knows that, you know, games can be incredibly compelling to spend tens of hours on, you know, usually if you try to binge watch a show, at least in my experience, eventually you'll fall asleep, but people stay up all night playing multiplayer games or trying to grind out that next quest in a game like Breath of the Wild uh, or Tears of the Kingdom. They just can't wait to get that next kind of hit of of dopamine that you get from gaming in, in a healthy way, hopefully. And so I think that as this generation of young people has grown up with their iPhones and their Android devices, gaming from you know the moment they can you know move their fingers across the screen, that that is where Gen Alpha and Gen Z are spending you know their time socializing, and then once they're there socializing, they get drawn into ongoing game loops and progression and the stimulation that that provides. And I love TikTok. I go on TikTok every day, but after you know 15, 20 minutes of TikTok, like you know, I think. A lot of times you just kind of, you know, you you get a little burnt out. Like you, you want to move on to something else where gaming, there's just always something next to do it. It's um, it's a much more, gaming provides a feeling of productivity that passive media doesn't provide. And I think that feeling of productivity leads to these longer sessions. I have to say that I just recently got into Roblox myself. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me was I, I played with my son for a little bit in the same room. And, you know, it was just, that's something you don't get. I, I, I see the TikTok, I see the social media references. They all seem like absolutely clearest day to me, how this is like an evolution 
of the way that social media and and media consumption is is going but the really the kicker is the social side the the fact that that we are both there talking about whatever weird things that are going on in the game we actually were playing the the what was it the crazy wizard game <laughs> or something you know the one where you just make magic wacky potions wizards? And... wacky wizards yeah wacky wizards that's right wacky wizards the creator he's uh, he's a brilliant uh, guy a, a new zealander uh, actually just had just had a few just had a few kids actually uh, that that gentleman that was one of those that that like okay you go in there you're making potions and it's mm-hmm. just essentially that but when you're trying them out on each other you know that's every kid's fantasy the idea that you could cook up potions and then try them out on each other you know and return to normal you get a big head you turn into a zombie you know it it was it's hilarious. I mean, and it's hilarious as an experience, but then it's hilarious, hilarious for content creation, right? You've got then all these Twitch streamers and, and, and the less rest of like linear format type content creators who will just find ways to express themselves in this space that will great, great content. Yeah, I think uh, I could soliloquize for hours and hours about the differences between, you know, narrative, social and gaming media uh but yeah i think the 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 multiplayer thing is a huge piece of it right the the in the real-time socialization and that's what's made roblox go is a place where first and foremost young people who didn't really have a lot of uh, remote socialization opportunities in a safe environment in a digitally safe environment could go and have free open chat could express themselves to their avatars and could have endless adventures, right? In the metaverse. That's what that's what that's all about. So I think that's at the end of the day, if you look at the top games on Roblox, almost all of them are are profoundly social in nature. And there are genres emerging that are only on Roblox because of Roblox's inherent multiplayer networking that works so well that has allowed people just to come up with random ideas that found a foothold. And that's what UGC is about, whether it's TikTok or YouTube or Roblox, the idea of democratizing content creation leads to a variety of of experiences like our game Twilight Daycare, right? Which has had 2 billion play sessions since we acquired it in uh, May of 2021. Uh, And has, uh, let me tell you, it has how many people playing it right now? It has... 9,500 people playing it right now, right? So, and we've had a web series based on it. We've had a toy line based on it. In that game, you come in and you play as a caretaker or a baby. And if you're a baby, you have needs. And if you're a caretaker, you find a random baby and you take care of their needs. But it's all players. There's no computer people. There's no NPCs in the game. Mm, Love that. Would any video game company have ever made something like this? I don't think I don't think so, right? This has been a huge franchise for us. Licensed, become a show. We've sold in millions of dollars of brand integrations into it to promote uh, brands that want to reach that demo. And it's it's delightful. It's delightful. It's wholesome. It's great. And um, we recently put in a update where you can be in... This is going to sound crazy, but it's fantastic. You can be an unborn baby in side of another player so <laughs> we wow. with another player and you know some people were like i don't know that that doesn't sound 
Uh, I think it sounds hilarious. And I mean, it's it's fantastic. Right. Yeah. I said, people are going to love it. That's our job is to delight people uh, in in, in (laughs) technical and legal ways. And I think this definitely meets that bill. And it was huge. It was absolutely massive. It actually brought back the lull it was having. When you run a game for two and a half years, you need new ideas all the time. We ship content in Twilight Daycare once every one to three, every one to two weeks. We need new ideas, you know. So it's amazing, you know, to come up with new ideas over and over again. But again, it's that multiplayer, right? It's that idea of like, oh, I can be the baby inside of another player's belly and be looking through their <laughs> camera. It's just so That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned brands. Like, how how would you then then what? Like, you 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 guys have done deals with the NFL, Mattel, Warner, a lot of big brands. I just am picturing you saying, so one one of the players is it, you know a unborn baby, and the other one, and NFL's like, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> is that how it went down, Joe? Is that yeah? <laughs> campaign inside of Twilight Daycare right now as we speak. So we just um, have been working with uh, our partners at Paramount on the NFL on a suite of integrations to promote Paramount properties and promote the NFL to the this Gen Z and Gen Alpha audience, which is this is where you need to reach them is on Roblox and on TikTok. We have the Roblox inventory. So if you want to reach Gen Zs and Gen Alphas on Roblox, come talk to me. But um that is exactly where we have the NFL right now is inside of Twilight Daycare. And that's amazing. Um, you know, I love it. it's look, there were a lot of creative considerations to make sure that that went over properly. And um, we, you know, we're very attuned to making sure that things are appropriate um, for the audience and that um, could not cause any kind of social or political strife within the platform. That's extremely important to us. And um, so, for example, a store you are when you're not assigned to a mother or a uh, you know someone who's going to be pregnant with you you're a stork and you fly around the world looking for someone to decide to pair up with as the baby so we we make really thoughtful creative choices to make sure that this stuff is as charming and delightful as it sounds and doesn't veer into some dystopian um darker place <laughs> which which the yeah. internet is so good at doing nonetheless you know for you once you're entering into these spaces yes. but you so asked amazing question, kudos um, thank you you asked another question though i think which was um are roblox developers going to jump over to uefn was that the other question from 500 the other question was no it was more about the tools with like so the business uh, oh, mechanics in place that are in that are inherent to like the platform and what you why roblox is beating out the others tool sets right 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 so i mean to be extremely reductive and obvious about it time is roblox's single biggest advantage i would have to say i mean sure they're brilliant you know dave bazuki is is a is a technological genius and he's staffed up around himself with other brilliant, passionate technologists and business people. But at the end of the day, Roblox has been doing this for since like 2005, I think, is when they got started, 2006, something like that. So that's the, and they've been laser focused on this being a UGC gaming platform since they started. 
So that is a huge first mover advantage that Epic is now using their considerable resources and own incredible talents to now, you know, catch up to. I don't think they're currently in direct competition. And I think Dot Big Bang and everywhere and all these other platforms, you know, they're all playing in the same space. They all need to find their segment that they can serve with this type of kind of UGC gaming content, which is very analogous to how TikTok and YouTube and Instagram stories and snaps fit within the larger media environment that those platforms came into. And very analogous, in my opinion, to how streaming platforms are competing with each other and with Netflix, which for a long time was the only streaming game in town. So I think that a lot of the market dynamics that we've seen in the online video space are likely to play themselves out in similar ways in the UGC gaming space over the next five to 10 years. But Roblox has been in a great position as, as a, you know, a, a, a singular force of nature in this space, and they continue to press their advantage. And I think the future is very bright for Roblox, but I also think there are going to be other players who come in and, and maybe not even eat up market share from Roblox, but eat up market share from other legacy gaming platforms. Yeah, that, you know. that was, um, you know, that's been my take on UEFN. The, the closer I get to it, uh, you know, we're, we're extremely excited about Epic and full disclosure, we're investors and we are passionate about the Unreal Engine and the power that that can have in, and the flywheel that Epic has. Having said that, when Disney invests in Epic, it, it 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 just feels like something totally different, and I'm excited about it. And I and I think that you know one can imagine after seeing Lego and and you know then you go go to a vision of what a Disney Epic deal could be, and I think it's a huge feather in their cap, and I'm very excited about it. But it just feels like something totally different than Roblox. Um, I'd I'd love to hear your perspective. By the way, since you also worked at Disney uh, on that that. Uh, news last night, and then just let you know, give me a sense as to whether or not you agree or disagree with the the way these platforms are kind of developing. I think that given what we saw with Lego and how that deal has played out between Lego and Epic, I think of all the options Disney could have to deploy that amount of money to create value for the Disney Corporation, the Disney IPs. I mean, it seems like that is just a rock solid option. I think that versus buying electronic arts, it was hard to see the value creation opportunity there, in my opinion. It, I'm sure there is one, but it's not. It's it requires a humongous amount of things to go right. Trying to make your own game and staff your own studio with one and a half billion dollars. Again, you need a lot of things to go right. And giving one and a half billion dollars to Epic to reprise what they've done with Lego, but with a totally different creative take on it. And with the Disney IP that's already all on there, seems like you don't need that many things to go right. You just need a, another great Epic flagship product, which they have a very strong track record of delivering. So I'm very excited as a Disney lifelong Disney super fan. I'm very excited about this. I think it's going to generate significant uh, upside for everyone involved. Disney's going to have a huge engagement revenue stream from it, assuming that that's how they've structured the deal. Uh, Fortnite's going to get an enormous marketing advantage versus other platforms with this Disney, you know, statement. 
And once they go back on to mobile, which obviously is kind of already in progress with Epic, this is going to be an enormous lever to draw in that younger demographic back into Fortnite in a way they've never had a place before. Lego plus Disney. I mean, that's a that's an incredible powerhouse of engagement opportunities for all ages, fans and family gaming and young players. Definitely. So I'm going to turn it over to Eliza on transmedia opportunities. But before I do that, I want to ask you one more question about um, originals versus branded experiences. You're a leader in both. And I just want to get into your head and, and, and understand how you think about ROIs of both of them. Do you think about building a, a, a kind of a balanced portfolio? How, how do you think about those two? We are pretty committed to using our internal development resources to create kind of what we call world-class games for world-class IPs. That is where I think we need to play as a business that's looking to create a long-term portfolio of top games that stand out and that are able to attract users inside of these very noisy platforms. And at the same time, we're always looking to acquire original content from uh, existing native developers that has found a foothold and that needs our value adds across the live services competencies that we have as a company. So that's how we think about the space. I think original IP in these spaces is indescribably competitive right now. And that for us, we need to focus on what our competencies are, which is world-class production values and knowing how to translate existing top world's most popular IPs, characters, and worlds into these spaces. That's a niche that we are uniquely skilled at and something we're incredibly passionate about. So that's where we're focusing most of our original development resources at this time. Yes. I mean, so transmedia-wise, that's definitely my favorite lens, having been in music and gaming and animation. How do you, because honestly, the pushback that I've felt throughout the industry is always that we have such secular industries. Do you feel that Roblox and UEFN and, and, and this space is maybe going to pull things together for the first time in a meaningful way, especially since we're seeing so many, you know, popular games that have come from steam. They've come from, you know, like triple a console games, you know, even mobile angry birds, you know, that have been translated into TV series. And of course you have your own twilight daycare transmedia story. What's your take on this? I think that we are in, I think transmedia is still an incredibly relevant and important part of the entertainment landscape. I think that we know, for example, the Spider-Man franchise on PlayStation, right? Or for example, the fact that, you know, Sonic is the number one branded game of all time on Roblox and Barbie is the number six branded game of all time on Roblox. And those are both games that we made in our internal studio. So I think that these platforms are critical from a transmedia perspective in that brands and IPs need to be on these platforms, first of all, from a pure business perspective to maintain relevance. Second of all, to start to experiment with revenue generation, which is gonna to continue to grow over the coming years as the audience grows and as the economics of the platforms shift. And three, because uh, you know this is where fans are creating their own content as well. And so those things create this kind of transmedia maelstrom where or, 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 or more
more of a, a vortex, I guess, that brands and IPs are being sucked into these platforms where they need to make a statement and how to coordinate that across a franchise. I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, we're in a post-meta modern era, right? It's the metaverse. So I think transmedia has evolved from being this very organized very strategic minded franchise management plan where things all talk to each other and things are all interconnected back to these main line stories to kind of like more like comic books were when I was growing up where you had six different Batman titles all going at the same time and they didn't necessarily have anything to do with each other. You had Batman one-offs, you know, on top of that. I mean, you had like, uh, you know, the Dark Knight and you had, Ar- you know, you had the Arkham franchise and you had, you know, you had uh, Justice League and Batman's appearing in all of these things. And then Batman's appearing in one-offs like Gotham by Gaslight. I'm a big Batman fan, as you can tell. So my point <laughs> is that I think that's, if you look at that as a bit of a microcosm for how IPs need to exist across platforms today, though, is that they they need to have credibility and there needs to be a well, you know, like a driving platform, like for Avengers, it's the film franchise, right? That's the foundation. And now how do you riff off that foundation to make the brand exciting, relevant, and delightful to different audiences on different platforms from there? I think and, and Roblox and Fortnite and the metaverse space is going to be the most important platform for these IPs outside of their driving platform soon enough, if it's not already. Excellent. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I went on a little tangent there. No, no, I love it. I love it. By the way, I was playing Barbie Dreamhouse Tycoon um, because I wanted to find out if I actually, you know what made me want to play it is I watched on HGTV, Barbie Dreamhouse, The Battle. And I was thinking, because Eliza and I are always talking about transmedia, I was thinking, oh, wait, maybe there's a transmedia opportunity here. Like maybe, maybe there could be some sort of a competition for building houses and I want to ask Joe about that. Like, do you, that's a really cool game, by the way. I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> but well, do you think about those kind of things of like bringing in competition and events and, sorry, go ahead. I mean, over a hundred million sessions at a 15 minute average session length in its first six months in the market, you know, and, and it, wow. you know, so that's just a huge amount of additional engagement um, that the Barbie brand is getting. And for us, I think it's a perfect example of what my, the philosophy I was just espousing, which is. We looked at the Barbie brand. We looked at the Roblox platform. A lot of people would have said, make a Barbie dress up game or make a Barbie social virtual world. And both of those would be good ideas, by the way. But those genres are very, very competitive and difficult to gain a foothold in. And we said, where where does Barbie have something truly unique? What is the most iconic thing of Barbie beyond, you know, what we, what they call, right? Stereotypical Barbie, the blonde hair and the pink outfit, right? That That's an asset. What's the next? And, and there's no real character-based games on these platforms, right? Characters don't drive games. There's not a lot of narrative right now. So, okay. So Barbie, stereotypical Barbie is one asset. What's the next asset in the Barbie brand that matters? To us, we believed it was the dream house. I was going to say yeah. weird Barbie. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> weird Barbie. I love weird Barbie. I love Kate McKinnon. Uh, but, I know, um, me too. And out of uh, costume, uh, she's uh, she's a hilarious uh, entertainer. So we say, okay, that's a great genre. That the 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 mansion tycoon genre is a great genre, and Barbie has the best mansion. That is where Barbie has a right to win. 
and we were we were right. And Sonic was the same thing. With Sonic, we said there's a there's a genre called speed simulators on Roblox, a subgenre. So who's the fastest? You know who's who's the fastest character in you know in in gaming? It's uh, it's Sonic. So speed simulator and Sonic, right? Uh, there could have been a number of other different ways to to you know think about that. We could have made a racing game or whatever, but that's not where the market is. That's not where the audience was, and that's not where Sonic was going to win on Roblox. So that's very important to us from a transmedia standpoint. Is what are the brand? What you know? We're brand strategists. We're brand people here. We're steeped in that in our careers at the leadership level. We look at a brand and we look at where can it win. And then we, you know, make the highest quality games in the field to deliver against that. That's what we just did with SpongeBob. That game's off to a fantastic start as well. Awesome. That's great to hear. So one last question, um, and this is going to seem totally random, but I, an investor mentioned to me, uh, okay, I think I understand Roblox, but what is, why is everything a tycoon? Why, why is it a tycoon this, tycoon that? Can you just give us, give our listeners a sense for why? We've got car dealership tycoon. We got Dreamhouse tycoon. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think tycoon really just means like a building game on Roblox, where like tycoon. So genres on Roblox are a bit of their own slang, I would say. And so what you would see as a simulator on Steam is very different than what a simulator means on Roblox. What you'd see as a tycoon on Steam very different than what a tycoon is on Roblox. So ro- tycoons on Roblox are really about building and building. Mm. You know follow Minecraft or Fortnite. I mean, these are the two most popular games with Gen Z and Gen Alpha by far, the two most popular individual titles, right? So what is common to both of those building, right? People love building things in games. Uh, You know, if you look at, you know, even in the indie space, if you look at Stardew Valley or you look at the survival crafting space, it's always about resources and building. That is something players just love doing in video games. So that's what the tycoon genre is about. So it can have a lot of different flavors to it. Right. Barbie Dreamhouse Tycoon is a very different experience than Car Dealership Tycoon is a very different experience than War Tycoon. Obviously, very different games, but all building and Tycoon to the Roblox community says it's about building. Hmm. Love it. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been incredibly insightful, as always. And we're going to have to get you back on the pod. And uh, congratulations to all of your success so far. And we look forward to following, um, following it all in the future. Thank you. Great questions. And thank you so much for having me on. Great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye.